Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 54 of the Cos WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. My name is the Twisted Genius Dean Ayers, and I am joined as ever by my colleague sports journalist Liam Hap. Good evening to you, Liam. How are you doing? Me, I am anxiously awaiting for parole. From lockdown? From lockdown. Yeah, I've got, I've got to be up, coming up to a good behaviour time around about now, haven't I? I mean, it's been two and a half years, hasn't it? Hasn't it? Some, something like that. Yeah, I think feels so. Like it feels it. like it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, me personally, I'm fed up with everything I'm doing being a cage match. But, uh, yeah, you get used to these things after a while. Yeah, it, it really started sucking when they changed it to escape rules only, didn't it? Mm, not the same. But, not the um, same. It does mean that I've got an advantage over the old deers at Tesco because, you know, some of them, they just can't get over the top of the cage. Exactly. Plus, when you're queuing up in, in a great big line outside, it feels like you're drawing a number for the Royal Rumble. That's true. Mm. Oh, that'd be great, wouldn't it? You just get the five, four, three, two, one countdown, yeah. and then then the double doors open and someone new comes through into Tesco. Yeah. As long as we're doing this like from 1996 onwards, I would demand some entrance music as I made my way to the foyer to put my pound in and click my trolley. I would want my choice of music. I'm not doing this old school style where they don't get their music coming out. Definitely. I, I'm loving this idea. Everyone just get, yeah, draw a number from the uh, from the heavily sanitized drum. Yeah, you, you walk in, you post your music. One of the uh, aides with like a, a, a long stick with social distancing uh, yeah. squirts some hand sanitizer onto your palms. You rub them together. You stick your pound into the trolley. You realize it's not working. It's defective. You're shaking the trolley. You can't get free. You settle for one of those stupid, shallow, pointless fucking ones. And then you go and shop. Loving it. Loving it. Absolutely. I do think though that that like with all of this stuff, this is going to be one of those things that you know in years to come when you tell your grandchildren, as the old saying goes, they won't believe you. I mean, they will have to because everything will be everyone's recording everything, um, but they'll think it's just been doctored. But no, they won't believe all this all this shit. And somehow we will convince them that this stuff happening in our day is way better than anything happening in their day. Their, their anything. Because, Absolutely. Because that is how human logic works. Our uh, day, yeah. we were stronger, tougher, more friendly, more resolute, better human beings than everyone is today, even if we were sacks of human garbage. Yeah, and the wrestling was better, and you know, people sold 6.30 splashes as the opening move of a match and stuff like that. Just get a picture of Ray Winston in any random gangster film he did, stick that on a social media meme, and say about how things were much better and people were much tougher in the good old days. Case closed. Morons. 
So uh, lockdown going well for you then? Yeah. Fantastic. You'll be yeah. pleased to know that I had these uh, extremely embittered and jaded opinions long before I was uh, stuck to within my own thoughts. So now, now I'm just reaping the fruit. That's all. Yeah. You've you've had pl- plenty of practice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I managed to uh, slice the top of my middle finger. I was uh, I always uh, I gave myself a glass of uh, of water with a bit of ice in it before I do this podcast. And I thought I'm going to go classy. I've got some lime in the fridge, uh, so I'll, I'll cut cut myself some lime. All the dish, all the uh, all the uh, knives are in the uh, in the dishwasher, which uh, incidentally we've had it happen before. I'm not sure how long it's got to go, but if it does um, finish its cycle during this recording, it does make um, three beeps, very much like Taz's entrance music in the WWE. Um, Tomorrow, and, Champa yeah. for our younger listeners. Indeed. Um, and um, yeah, I managed to um, I had to use a carving knife. And uh, my, my advice to you is don't cut a, le- a lime or a lemon, for that matter, with a carving knife because it's a bit too uh, wieldy and you end up slicing a bit of your thumb off as well or your, your finger off. Can't yeah. talk. Anyway. Up, updated advice leave the fucking carving knife in in the drawer unless you are carving a turkey. And in Dean's case, just get someone else to carve it. Get an adult to help you put down the carving knife. Absolutely. And I was kind of, i, I got to admit, I'm disappointed when you've told that story because I was actually hoping you cut the top of your middle finger swearing at a ceiling fan. <laughs> that was my hope story for it. Sadly not, no. But, you know, day 10 of isolation and the self-harming has begun. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one. And you're listening to Because WCW. Now choke on that. Right. Um, we are doing a Nitro watch along um, after that last episode. If you haven't downloaded our last episode, it was with Doug Williams. We looked over Super Bowl 92, Super Bowl 2. Absolutely fantastic. One of the best podcasts we have done. Um, so do go back and download that if you can from wherever you get your podcasts from it is well worth a listen and a little bit of your time i mean especially now yeah we're all locked down we're all uh, looking for entertainment within the four walls of our home this is a golden age of podcasting ladies and gentlemen and uh, today we are looking at um it's the 22nd monday nitro broadcast date january the 29th 1996 so we have um, we've just had, or previous week, we had two nights in a row um, in Las Vegas at the Caesars Palace. We had Monday Nitro followed by the Clash of the Champions. Um, we had Randy Savage defeat Ric Flair last week on Nitro to once again become the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. So uh, we will see what this week brings. Um, so if you do want to watch along with us on the network or wherever you get your episodes of Nitro from, as I said, this is episode 22, January the 29th. Liam, I'm on 000000. All right, well, perk yourself up, mate. Things will get better from here. Oh, <laughs> you mean on the time? Yes, of course. So am I. I'm awaiting the start of this episode. Excellent. Well, we will press play in three, two, one. Go burning buildings, ahoy! And um, this one, this one's a slightly shorter one, by the way. It's only forty-seven minutes in total. Which, which means that Hulk Hogan's mandatory squash will be ten seconds rather than three minutes. 
Yes. Because you, you oh. I know you mentioned that we had the world title change last week. Yep. And in a monumental episode, we also had the world tag team titles change. But the main event was Hulk Hogan bouncing one man gang around in a one sided massacre. That was quite the depressing end, if you remember correctly. Yeah, one man gang, the US champion as, as well. Yeah, um, his midlife crisis, the Hulk states, getting a little out of hand here. And looking at the lineup for tonight, as well as last, we, we've been saying the last couple of weeks, it's been getting a little samey. They've been yeah. rotating the same few guys, and people always said that in 1998, WCW failed to change things up and freshen things up. We're getting an early precursor to that already on Nitro. We we are indeed. It is as you say the same uh, the same faces on the carousel. Um, so we're in Canton, Ohio, which apparently is the home of the uh, Football Hall of Fame. We are informed there, and we've got Mongo. I'm trying to see what his dog's been put in this he, time. He seems to think his dog is in Transylvania because that looks yeah. like a vampire outfit. Yeah, Dracula dog. I swear that dog just looked at the camera look, with a look that said. Help me, for fuck's sake. He, he blinked twice. I hope someone picked yeah. up on that. Incidentally, I was uh, going for my daily prescribed government walk the other day, and uh, I walked past the window, and there was a cat in a dress in the window of the house. No idea why. Taxidermy? You would no, no, so, proper, you? no, no, real proper living oh, cat. No. It, it's like it blinked, and its head moved, and everything. If it was taxidermy, you could just say it was bad taste. But if there's an actual living being being subjected to that. So they are recapping what happened to that clash. Because it happened literally the night after the last yeah. Nitro we covered, as you on said. On the Tuesday. The yeah, Road had... Warriors are officially on the roster, they uh, touched upon. The Road Warriors yes. are back. The Road Warriors are back. We had we had Hogan and Savage v. Flair and Giant, didn't we, as our, as our main event of that um, of that clash because it was the you know three big headliners and the big new big guy they're trying to to push mm. here comes rick flair resplendent in a pink robe with jimmy hart still in his corner yeah this this loose alliance is lingering maybe they're just really good drinking buddies and they don't want the party to stop <laughs> i don't know i've never heard about jimmy hart being much of a drinker i have to say i might be completely wrong i'm but just wildly speculating yeah I can't believe there was a, a rebel in the, in the front row. They've shown some of the uh, young fans in the front couple of rows in their corporate mandated Hulk Hogan shirts. And one of those, one of those rascals wasn't wearing yellow and red. He was wearing a T-shirt of his own uh, liking with the Tasmanian devil on it. There's also some with sting face paint on. I can't be having that. No. Anyway, here comes Poochie. He must have heard so, us talking about him. His ears are burning. Yep. So it's Hogan v. Flair. Is Hogan Flair in 96? Does it still have that special feel that it had in 91 or even in 94? I, I would say that it's a pretty cool match to have at the top of a nitro but i also want to say they've probably already run it once before they've done so many different incarnations but here's hogan with a with his own um quote unquote bevy of beauties miss Again, elizabeth is back miss elizabeth is back there's woman there's um 
Mrs. The real life Mrs. Hogan. This is again. This is Hogan's midlife crisis, isn't it? It just feels more and more like it. I prefer. I thought we kept better company when him and Randy were hanging out with the hobo, but that's just my opinion. That hobo could have made this company millions, and and they passed up on it. Do you know? I think if that was happening nowadays, he would he would get the hobo. It'd be a bit of virtue signalling, you know. It'd be look at how we're we're helping this guy get on his feet. I thought that's kind of what he was doing anyway. But I want you to pay attention now that Hogan's taking his shirt off. Do you think his cleavage is bigger or smaller than the ladies in his corner? Well, uh, let's take a look. He looks like he's packing slightly larger than his own wife, uh, comparable to woman and Elizabeth. I don't think he can touch Deborah's. Is that Deborah out there? He's definitely not allowed to touch Deborah's. That'd be a lawsuit. Now, Ric Flair is wearing red. And what do we know about when Ric Flair wears red? Um, you have you have asked me this before, and I feel like a bad friend for forgetting. When Ric Flair wears red, Ric Flair loses. Well, there's a, there's actually another indicator of Ric Flair losing that is also evident here. He's facing Hulk Hogan. <laughs> there, there is that as well, yeah. But no, I've said, Rick, you look at like um, one of the big Flair v. Steamboat matches he wore red. Um, you've got Flair against Undertaker at WrestleMania 18, Flair against Savage at WrestleMania 8. Uh, He's wearing red when he lost to Bret Hart, lost the title there. He wore red. Yes. And he's facing Hulk Hogan. So as you say, definitely look at that. He's been bounced around all over the place by Hogan just from the lockup. Now I have to wonder, are, are these two guys going to try and run through their usual routine or are they going to conform to a more typical TV time constraint? Are a condensed they, version of their uh, their normal routine. Are they going to go six or are they going to go 12? We've seen Sa- Randy Savage in particular is a master of both. We've seen him have quite a few decent long matches. He's, he's gone long with Flair, Luger... Uh, a few other top guys and he's also done the old savage formula hasn't he the old savage formula here's the Hogan formula he is uh, completely no selling the chops yep in fact he hasn't sold a thing yet it's only their brilliant facial expressions both of them that make me not feel sad (laughs) Like on the animated cartoonish expressions, they always just get a titter out of you. And they add some of that chemistry in a couple of the tag team combinations they've run. Because already, like 20-odd episodes in, Nitro's really running out of of matchups. Well, Flair has now taken the advantage with a thumb to the eye and a whip into the buckle. Oh, but, but Hogan's back now. Hogan's selling literally lasts about five seconds. I mean, the thing is, I've got to say, back in, and I think this, I'm right in saying this was 94. I I saw, I witnessed a Hogan v. Flair match at, I think it was Wembley Arena. Um, it was definitely in London somewhere for, for a WCW tour. And it still, it felt, and, and they went through the usual routine. It was a, it was 
a house show, for God's sake. But it still felt special just to see the two icons of the previous decade going one-on-one with each other because, you know, for a long, long time, it didn't look like it would ever happen. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'll give you another example. You'll remember at the peak of John Cena being on top of WWE and diehard fans not being particularly enamoured with John Cena. I attended a couple of shows, like around the 2009 to 2011 period, I took my nephews to a couple of those shows because they were big into it at that age. And Mm -hmm. the whole Cena routine, he'd be wrestling someone like The Miz or something, and there'll be a, a real genuine buzz about what is pretty much an extended formula match. Because they go about 15 to 20 minutes to have a serious match, but it would end with the old, you know, five-knuckle shuffle, attitude adjustment, the usual. But the atmosphere for it, it does enhance your experience of it. And that's what happens when they come over here, like every now and then. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I um, I remember seeing Cena at the Brighton Centre. The only time he'd done the 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 house show loop when they came to Brighton, and there was there's an energy, there's a buzz in the venue because you know someone the level of that that person is is performing. And I I also found with that it was re- the thing that was really useful, really interesting to see was someone who has such a an insane schedule, how he um can wrestle a safe but entertaining match. Yeah. And it's something I think, you know, every 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 wrestler, everyone in the business who wants to like, you know, make this a serious part of their life, a you know, their job, whatever, worth watching people like that. Just to see what they do once they're up there. Yeah. And and from a fan's perspective, I know a lot of people are always, you know, turn Cena, turn Hogan, turn Reigns Hill, get him away from the main event, get rid of him. And there's a lot of dramatic reactions. I've got to say, as someone who agrees a little bit with the sentiment much of the time, and you've heard like the the two of us, our complaints about the top-heavy situation on some of these nitros, for me, it's never been about uh, turn him ill straight away or get rid of him. It's just like, tone it down a little bit. Like... Don't shove it down our throats. And this is what we're saying about the Hogan thing, right? The yeah. the degree of the no selling, as we're seeing right here on the screen. I was going to say, as you say, mm. yeah, Jimmy Hart interferes, Hogan gets a knee drop, immediately no sells it again. And the thing is, yeah, the, he's no selling the offense of the guy who, until literally a week ago, was your world heavyweight champion. What does that say about your company? The, the the signature offense of your multiple time world champion is being no sold by by the guy who squashed your US champion in three minutes last week. Hmm. You think of a guy in, in modern parlance, you think of a guy like Randy Orton, who's always in and around the, the top of the food chain and yet spends good amounts of time in like the the second off the top match or feud you know and mm. it, for me that does wonders because you can imagine how hated a randy Orton would be by a lot of dire fans if he was in the main event all the time like a senior arranged but sometimes if if it is getting a little repair there's nothing wrong with just just bring them that give them a little distraction program then bring them back into the top of the sea sometimes just a little tea break can do a world of good and whenever we've had a little break from hogan on his watch longs because he's he's missed a couple of weeks here or there um 
to, to tape something or whatever, there'll be one of those infamous absences coming up just before the new world order angle hits in the summer. Uh, and when that happens, we find him a bit little more tolerable. And but he's he's on a run now where he's he's dominated three or four of these nitros in a row. He's done the big yeah. the big paranoid insecure squashes, and he's all over the show. And that's when we start moaning more. Can I also point out that Hogan has sold more for Jimmy Hart choking him than any of Ric Flair's offense so far? Well, Ric Flair doesn't carry nearly as many of Hulk Hogan's bags as Jimmy Hart. He carries a reasonable amount, but not nearly as many. That was harsh on Flair, I suppose, but still. This is what happens when we get this much Hogan shoved down our throat. I must remind our listeners how excited I was to watch Hulk Hogan versus Sting in that version of the match that everyone forgot happened. Because, you know, done right, it can still be pretty cool. Okay, Flair is now working on the the leg and the knee of Hogan. We know what that's setting up for. In fact, he's going for it right now. He's going locked on the figure four. He's going to be too near the ropes, I'm sure, but... Things are looking so dire for our hero that Miss Elizabeth has dusted off her looking slightly disturbed at what's going on in the ring expression, which is the height of her emotion. And a couple of claps as well. A couple of claps, you know. She's not going to half-ass for her paycheck. She's clapping. Elizabeth is leading the cheers. So Hogan, rather than rolling towards the ropes, rolls into the middle of the ring, but he reverses it. This this is one of those great wrestling things. You know, all Samoans have hard heads, and the figure four, once reversed, reverses the pressure and makes it hurt the person implementing it. Not true. Yeah, there's there, there, there's only, off the top of my head, there's literally only one part of your leg that would actually be trapped if you rolled over and I li- literally trapped, not actually like bent or, or put in a painful position. It'd just be trapped by the ankle. So Hogan's still not selling the chops. You can tell he's been through the ringer though, Dean, because he's gone from cartoonish no selling to serious no selling. Almost the Japanese no selling. <laughs> Almost. Yeah, Hulk Hogan doing fighting spirit. Yeah, inject that into my veins. <laughs> he, he's he's not no selling. He's not burying. He's doing King's Road. He's he's doing Mizawa. Ah, uh, look at that. Do you remember when wrestling was done in front of real fans? You when mean they had the one... people in the arena? Yeah. The old days. Right right now, all of those uh, mandated Roman Reigns t-shirts are just sitting on empty chairs in the performance centre with no one to wear them. Oh, Hogan's now gone from not selling to having a stroke in the middle of the ring. See, that makes up for it. Oh, that's okay. On, On average, the average sell is acceptable. Zero plus two has the same answer as one plus one. <laughs> it's all right. He's hulking up now for the, the latest no sell. 
So that's the problem. When your signature spot involves you no-selling, don't no-sell loads of other stuff because you dilute the impact of what you're doing. Yes. I think this is the fourth no-sell we've seen from Hogan. But but I must admit that our despair over Hulk Hogan's antics here has stopped us from appreciating that Heenan is doing a classic pro-flair commentary job during this. Big boots. Oh, Jimmy Hart's up on the apron to stop the referee, Nick Patrick, from making the count. Someone's coming out, going by the crowd. And someone's coming, yeah. It's Arn Anderson. Foreign object. Oh, now, shouldn't that be a disqualification? Jimmy Hart's helping himself to a bit of Elizabeth. That doesn't look right. <laughs> Arn Anderson's taken her shoe. <laughs> oh, this this is infamous. He, he, Did he just hit hit him in the eye with the the, the, the heel. heel of Elizabeth's shoe that Arn Anson took from her foot while Jimmy Hart was holding her? If you remember correctly, this spot... Jesus Christ, hang on a minute. Ric Flair has won a match wearing red trunks and he's pinned Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and, and he's done so in a spot that would end in infamy because that was part of the billionaire Ted parody skits, wasn't it? Was it? The, yeah, the, the woman's shoe as a weapon. I don't remember that bit. Hashtag five concussions. But sorry, I did interrupt you there in my shock. No, no, no. I, that was pretty much what I was going to say. And and that is literally it. It's This bit what did go down in infamy. The high heel shoe to the eye. <laughs> oh, he's actually bleeding. Well, this is something That's he has a... to sell. Otherwise, it's just going to look like he lost to a lame thing. <laughs> but that didn't look like a blade. That looked, Because you wouldn't do that. They didn't get enough blood for a blade. And it's an odd place to do it. I don't know whether uh, that was a ben... blade or whether that was legit or what. Ben, Who knows? Benoit was actually quite good. On a number of occasions, he would do a blade job near the eye, a part of the forehead near the eye. They'll make it look like he's busted his eye open. I remember he did a he did a ridiculous spot to win a match once where um, there was a steel chair on someone's head and he did the diving head but onto the chair and he then did, that was the finish of the match and he bladed for that anyway although to be fair Hogan just did as well mm. but there is a way like so, someone we know with our contacts would be able to maybe step in and say yes there is a there is an art form to making it look like you've gouged your eye open when in fact you've just yep. bladed near it. Anyway, Megan Barbarian have been down the carpet shop. I don't think they paid for those. Allied carpet sale now on. I don't think they paid for them and I don't think the shopkeeper asked them for any money. Would you? Ooh. God no. Can you imagine telling Meng that he owes you like £100? The return of the Road Warriors. I'm, I'm guessing that this is in ring return because they literally talked about uh, them being on the Clash, uh, which it, we didn't actually look up though. I don't know if you did, Dean. I didn't. No, spoil. I didn't actually. I'm tempted to maybe 
go have a look. We know, and um, we've got blue, blue uh, shoulder pads. The, the red of uh, the old WWF look from a few looks, years back looks a little weird, or doesn't out. it? Yeah, not in a bad way. It's pretty cool. I don't know. Blue isn't as threatening a colour as red. And I say that as an Ipswich Town fan as well. I dare say it's the great big spikes on the shoulders are supposed to be the threatening part, but... Oh, sure. okay, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a pretty pumped crowd so far, because when you mentioned earlier that the... Uh, the Hulk Flair match had him no selling in like four different areas. Admittedly, the crowd popped all of them, which doesn't help. It only encourages him. And the fans are pumped for the LOD here. So if they're looking for a massive 80s nostalgia fest on this 1996 broadcast, they're at least picking the stops on their tour quite astutely. And um, I can also point out that... um... Animal's hair looks like he had a shower and then fell asleep on the sofa. It sounds like you're saying this from experience. You know, back from your mullet-wearing days. Yeah, that mullet I used to rock in the 90s, you know. I'm guessing it was the shower incident that prompted you to shave it off. Definitely, yeah. Do you think they've uh, they've matched uh, these guys up against Megan Barbarian just in case Hawks off his tits and decides to go off script? Did did he ever? I don't think he ever had a reputation for doing that. At least not in the ring, anyway. He had, he had a penchant for having a scrap with Randy Savage at, at rock concerts, but over a bit of pizza, yeah. yeah. He, in he, fact, the um the Road Warriors are one of the topics of the new series of um. Dark Side of the Ring, I think, aren't they? That would, unfortunately, that would make a lot of sense because, obviously, Hawk's situation was a bit of a sad one. Mm. Here comes Hawk. Hawk v. Meng. I've got got to admit, like, some wrestling experts and like current people who, who are in charge of a creative process sometimes it feels like too much emphasis is put on someone's look but admittedly when you see guys like hawk and ming square off that it does grab your attention doesn't it you do think what's going to happen between these two or at least you did when they first wrestled like 10 years before this yeah well, Meng had been around for about, I don't know, 20 years at this point. He was around a lot a lot earlier than people realise, but um, yes. under a variety of different names. But I'm just trying to, I, I don't know, the, is it me or do the crowd seem a bit more subdued than I would have thought? I would have thought there'd been a huge pop for the Road Warriors, but it doesn't seem to be as big as I'd have hoped. It's not, it's not like a massive Steve Austin-esque roar. I don't think anyone will ever get that sort of a pop. Maybe never again, unfortunately. But um, the, the, you can see the, the crowd, like at least doing the big parts, are chanting and reacting and moving. Uh, when you had Arn Anson run out in the last match, there was a big movement in the crowd. They're, they're yeah, no, engaged, I mean, they're reacting. This, 
Yeah, just for this match, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just thought maybe the Road Warriors would get a bit more of a... If you look, I, we might have to look up the capacity of this place because if you look, the um, it doesn't look like a huge arena. Right, the seat, the seats only go up so high on each side. Oh. I think maybe even our our London's copper box may well hold more than this place. Ah, oh, that was a good. Yeah, actually, I see what you mean. Yeah, looking there, there's not much of an upper tier, is there? Yeah, if we're talking so, what, Canton, Ohio, you, you I'll, I'll take a, a look at the uh, yeah, I'll take a look at the venue in a in a bit. Yeah, but um, the Copper Box has a great venue. Yes, that will definitely get some top events there going forward. Maybe maybe the Memorial Civic Center. Here we go. So the Canton, yeah, the Canton Civic Centre, seated capacity, maximum of 5,200, indoor football 4,000. So you're probably with a wrestling capacity, you're probably looking at about 4,500. So hmm. not massive, but big enough, I suppose. Yeah. And yeah, it, it doesn't go too far deep. There's not very many empty seats. There's a lot. There's a lot of infusion. It's like what we were saying earlier about when a company makes a few and far between trips over here. There's a there's a certain extra degree of excitement and buzz and gratefulness, gratitude. Um, yeah, there's definitely been worse nitro crowds. And obviously the energy of these Ohioans is really channeling into the Road Warriors because they feel compelled to sell. Yeah. Well, as you said, maybe it's the influence of their opponents. <laughs> I strongly, I strongly advise you sell this move. But like we've said before, between the two promotions, bloody hell, great drop kick from Meng. You don't, you don't often see a drop kick from Meng, and that was right on the button. But between the two big companies at the time, when was Meng stroke Haku ever out of work? He was always in the employment of one company or the other. Yeah. Going up to that very final switch just before we lost one of those two companies, when he made that admittedly memorable surprise appearance at Royal Rumble 2001. That was a yeah. great rumble. That was when cameos were legit. I mean, Honky Tonk Man and Haku coming back. For 2001, that, that was a couple of cracking cameos. Well, the crowd are going through it now. Credit where it's due. That was a great powerbomb by Bar that Barbarian powerbombed Animal, and they made it look deadlift. And it mm. wasn't. It, they, they had full control during that move. I would defer to your superior eye if I have that wrong, but it looked like they had full control. But he looked, it just looked such, such raw power. No, completely, yeah. Oh. oh, that didn't go so well, did it? Even the commentators don't realise they were supposed to be the comeback spot. Oh, they're going to do it again. Tell them off, Dean. He 
he's milking it. There we go. That's what was oh, meant to happen. That, that was awkward. That, yeah, that is it's like, just think of another. It? Yeah. It's like, if that goes wrong, just call another comeback spot on the fly. I mean, how many decades of experience do those two have between them? Never repeat the spot. Crowd pop for Hawk coming in. Okay, the crowd have livened up now. I'll give, give it to them. It does seem like maybe bringing out some of those, uh, shall we say, tenured, well-known wrestlers from the 80s is a good shout for this crowd who are happy to see some of those uh, very familiar faces and get a good old show at the wrestling. That was a nice double clothesline. Well, um, you, you say about, you know, fresh new stars and that. I, I think I'm right in saying that pretty much everybody on the show so far was also on WrestleMania 8, there or thereabouts. Ah. Oh, <laughs> Barbarians walked into the Doomsday device. Oh, dear. Yeah, but here comes Meng. Oh, Meng oh. shoves Hulk off. Good yeah. save. They are starting to flirt with non-TV time here. Well, the first match went 13 minutes dead on. Another pile driver. An He's picked anim- him up. Animal is not quite as capable of no-selling as Hawk is. Clothesline and to stop a second pole driver, and that's it. Was he the legal man? I don't think he was. I'm very confused. I don't know what's going on. All I know is that uh, Road Warriors win, but more of an even match, and you'd have, mm. you'd have thought I'd have I'd have put them. I don't know. For me, I'd have put them in a I'd have put them in a quick dominating squash. Yeah, part- as the first match back. Pardon my turn of phrase, but that was rough as assholes. <laughs> there were some, there were some moments in that that I really like, some good hoss raw power moments. But there are also a lot of really dreadful, especially for guys with this sort of experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I surely, I'd, I'd have just thought a, a two or three minute squash against. I'm trying to think of a, a suitable, a suitable team. But, you know, a, a very low-level team. Or just go five a high minutes. high-voltage type thing, yeah. you know. That went nine minutes. Trim it to five. Get rid of the bad yeah. parts. Keep the nice bits. I know it doesn't work as easily as that, but... So we've now got Mean Gene interviewing Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan. And Brian Pillman going... Oh, that, this is from last week. Beg your pardon. Brian Pillman getting uh, put in his place as usual by Arn Anderson. Yeah. The, the summary is, is the Horsemen and the Dungeon of Doom want to work together when facing guys like Hogan and Savage. Uh, Pillman is threatening to ruin that because Sullivan hates him. Arn Anderson struggles to control him. And here come Arn and Pillman. I love the fact that Arn's in a suit and Pillman's in... His wrestling gear and uh, and S&M waistcoat. He's he's wearing like red latex or spandex trousers and a black leather vest. He's been to the clubs. 
they're, they're his wrestling tights, I think. Oh, and they're calling him the loose cannon now. And he's showing that threat of a rift, threatening on to keep Pillman in line. Arn is taking care of business. Flair beat Hogan all by himself. That's why we love Arn. Yeah. He's doing an angry dad act with Pillman. Yes, definitely. Is is he? I don't think he's angry. He's just disappointed, Liam. Exactly. Sullivan and Hugh Morris, who's also there, by the way, are, are happy with this so far. <laughs> Pillman's facials. He's threatening tough love. He says he's going to hurt Pillman when it hurts on. He's getting his belt out. Pillman's begging off. And now the Dungeon of Doom are jumping on. So there goes What's that. What's Pillman doing on the outside? Um, hiding. Sullivan's seen him. And he's whipping oh. him with a belt. And you can hear that belt smacking him as well. So that's their way of inserting a belt into this. Anderson mm-hmm. has rallied against Humorous and DDT'd him. Shoves Sullivan away to come to the rescue of... So Arn comes to the rescue of Pillman, but Pillman didn't come to the rescue of Arn. Gene's back in the ring. We're going to get some more words. Arn is pissed. We police within our own. Well, as you say, I think the Dungeon of Doom Horseman Alliance is dead and buried. This, honestly, watch Love, Honor and Obey, a 2000 British film. And it feels as if they stole the idea for that storyline from this wrestling storyline. The North and the South are going to war because of the actions of one man. Hillman says he got he got them into this mess. He'll get them out. So the group the group who just uh, cheated the hero Hulk Hogan out of a win earlier are now virtuous against the Dungeon of Doom. This is early '96. We are in that timeline period of exploring Shades of Grey, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yes, believe it or not, it wasn't just invented by Vince fucking Russo. Okay, so we've still got another 12 minutes to go. It's that time to consult the schedule, isn't it? Yeah. By the way, if you're wondering, over on the Monday Night Raw, we had uh, David Boy Smith v. Diesel, the Godwins v. Skip and Zip, and Shawn Michaels against Yokozuna. See, see, now... On a taped Raw. I I know that... Diesel versus Bulldog for the title kind of tanked during that horrific Diesel reign, but I actually like the idea of watching David Boy Smith and Kevin Nash go at it. 
So, so here we get our first actual footage of the clash on this show. Yep, and it's uh, it's Sherry and Medusa essentially fighting in cake. This was uh, Sherry's wedding to um, Colonel Parker, which I I have to say I don't know if it went ahead or not. Yeah, there's not going to be an team... interview with Sherry because. <laughs> he was about to interview Sherry, but uh, she got attacked from behind. Oh, is this a match? It is now. I thought yeah. it was just Mean Gene interviewing her, but well, well, she's not dressed to wrestle. No, really, and strictly speaking, like well, I suppose Medusa is, but Medusa climbed up to the top rope, and um, and just cross-bodied uh, Sherry. Now, bear in mind that when Medusa joined WCW, she said, you know, women would be treated properly. And this is her first match in God knows when. And she's fighting Sherry, who is wearing an evening dress. Well, here's the thing. Like, if if you were to make an attempt to have women appear on Nitro in a capacity more than just a bevy of beauties style uh, trope that we had with Hogan earlier... Sherry and Medusa is absolutely, it's absolutely the way to get that started, isn't it? But we know with the benefit of hindsight that it didn't really go that way. And the fact that this was Medusa's first significant thing to do since making that appearance, throwing the belt in the bin a month before this on Nitro, and it's all was over it the affection. I thought it was longer than that, surely, because this is just before didn't. Christmas, wasn't it? Just before Starcade. Oh, okay. So, and now we're in late January. So we're talking four to five weeks. Um, but she did have a match. Um, she did have a match on Nitro. When um, did she? I'm sure she had a match in Nitro in, in like November because it was the same week that WWF had women. Or was that Japanese women? That was a different. Might that been, was Japanese. Yeah. It wasn't reduced. I beg your but pardon. But it's already over. Yeah. Oh, vicious German suplex. Sherry reversed the crossbody for the pin and immediately just gets absolutely dead-weighted and dumped on the back of her neck with a German suplex. <sighs> and I'm hoping that's just really good selling from Sherry because she's not moving. Yeah, yes. she's moving. She's moving. She sold that brilliantly. It weren't, it weren't until she just instinctively lifted an arm up here. I don't know if you saw that, Dean. But for a second, I was like, is she alive? That's what I was wondering. That's good selling. Um, that match lasted less than two minutes. Well, you were worried about time. You said we had 12 minutes left, so stop complaining, Dean. Yes. So we've got Giant v Savage for the world title. We've got seven or eight minutes left. This this Nitro main event is definitely a, uh, a a rerun. So they are they are definitely running through the same pairings. They're starting to run out of options. And as we we always sing the praises of that one episode that featured Sting versus Dean Malenko, give mm. us a bit of that. Give us a you know I'm pretty sure at certain points in '96, Flair and Guerrero mixed it up a couple of times. Yeah, I recall the. The results not always being great to us. I think they had a couple of of uh, off nights, but they also had a couple of really good matches as well. Give give us yeah. a little bit. Of, you know, don't don't replace all the big names with a bunch of up and comers. Give us the big names and the up and comers. 
bit of variety. Stir Absolutely. me up, baby. Because yeah, because because this. Bear in mind, this is you know we're an era where TV a year ago was squash matches with maybe one feature match with some mid carders. That was your you know Monday Night Raw was still fifty percent squash matches a year ago, mm. and Nitro was the first program that, that really shook things up where you had name versus name. Because you know those matches normally were saved for the pay-per-views, so I think they're still you know to give them to defend things where it's due. That I think they're still kind of getting used to the long-term effects of that kind of matchmaking. And yeah, we are now getting, as you say, we yeah we've we've ex- we've pretty much exhausting the options, and so we are then we are now you know re rehashing for want of a better phrase and here come the hogan bevy of beauties to uh, accompany the macho man including of course miss elizabeth yeah i'm sure this will end well oh yeah <laughs> uh, as a side note i have to ask you unfortunately um how weird is it seeing a woman on the screen at a time where we've just had the dark side of the ring come out with Ooh. ice Oh, and here's Savage, he's come out from behind with the title belt. Yeah. So he has been hanging around Hogan because he's cheating right from the offset. Savage with the uh, sleep hold. The referee... Is the referee throwing the match out before it's even (laughs) begun? And you were worried about time constraints. Here comes Flair... Can you disqualify someone before the match has begun? Now, Flair's here to attack Savage. Bear, yeah. in, bear in mind, the Dungeon of Doom just attacked the Horseman. Pummeling Savage with a chair. Apparently, Sting and Luger are not here at all, at all I should say. Now, there's been no interaction between Flair and Giant at this moment so far. But here we go. Now they're cooperating. Bear in mind what we just saw in the last segment. Yeah. So you've got Flair, the leader of the Horsemen, Giant, the jewel in the crown of the uh, Dungeon of Doom. Flair's just decked the ref. Casually swatted the ref. I love that. So yeah, we did that. We had that tag match at the Clash, and they're pairing off in the singles matches, in cages at Super Brawl. We had the reverse pairings tonight, didn't we? Because it's going to be Savage Flair and Hogan Giant in the cages, compared mm-hmm. to what we had tonight. I wonder what amazing combinations we'll have next week between these four. <laughs> have they got any left? Here's a move that needs to be brought back, though, Dean. Multiple series of backbreakers. Good stuff. Now, there, now so, there's a move. So, no one is coming to Savage's aid. I don't know where Hogan is. Flair is asking <laughs> for the choke slam. Just <laughs> he, lays a boot in there as well. He, he, he did a... Um... He did a strut, ran off the ropes, and then stomped Savage in the crotch. But he's been really enthusiastic about his chokeslam. 
Please and tell me to betray Joe. Nope, he is the chokeslam. And there is no Hogan. This is very strange. Flair with the knee drop. Apparently, Arn and Kevin Sullivan have not had the chance to catch up with Flair and Giant. They have no idea what was going on earlier. Oh, the crowd are reacting to something. Here Here comes comes Hogan. Hogan. With his uh, head all bandaged up. And his eye. Hogan's doing his best Terry Butcher impression. And he actually nailed a couple of good chair shots there. Any excuse for you to to name drop Terry Butcher then? And people are getting waffled across the head with a chair. Unprotected headshots. I mean, I know it's only Hogan, but even so. Yeah, forget what I said about great chair shots. The rest of these are really pathetic love taps. But the two he belted giant with were were good. The way that they're all just running at him whilst he's waffled with the chair did just remind me of... uh, of a Big Daddy's tag match in Britain, <laughs> where everyone would just blindly run into him to sell for him. I don't know who um, who put um, Hogan's. <laughs> oh, I was going to say I don't know who put together Hogan's um, bandaging, but they they need some training. His flair. He's so angry. He's strutting up on the commentary position before he uses the mic to shout angrily. Hart and Flair are fine. Flair's fine with the rest of the dungeon so far, apparently. I think Flair's scaring the dog by going woo at it. Here comes the giant. (laughs) He wants to take your bones and make my breath. What? No, and make, make his bread. He is a giant. Ah... You remember? Eh? Yeah? Gotcha. That dog looks like he's shitting himself. Not literally. Bischoff's out of here. If he doesn't like having the commentary position invaded, he's going to hate the summer of 96. A summer that we now get to uh, relive, Dean, on ITV over yes. in the UK. So we're, we're already, we're ahead of the curve with the 1996 nostalgia. ITV's playing catch-up. <laughs> the only commentator who stayed point. is Bobby Heenan, because, you know, he's all right with Flair. Yeah. He's trying to calm Flair down. He was on the good coke earlier. <laughs> Uh, Hogan and Savage are still recuperating there with the help of a referee. Uh, we, we, we're getting a classic Heenan promo now. Ho- Hogan looks like he's going to storm the commentary position. He's still got the chair. Hogan's hammy acting. Flair says he's going to become champion for the 13th time. Eh, that's just absurd. Who And... No. And we're out. And that's it. We we end. Well, that was a very odd nitro. It's that was very to, odd. It's starting to dip the quality, isn't it? Yeah. It's I mean, we had to get a bit samey. Yeah, we had a 13-minute match where Flair beat Hogan. 
Then a nine-minute match where the, with the Road Warriors in a bit of a clusterfuck against the Faces of Fear. Then our last two matches lasted just shade over two minutes b- together between them. Yeah, someone wasn't running the stopwatch for this show, were they? Like, oh, yeah. shit. Fuck, better get a move on. Very on, I don't know. But yeah. um, just looking at uh, next next week, it doesn't look like Hogan is wrestling. Thank craps for that. Because and qu- um, your favourites, the tag team champions of Luger and Sting, are on in the main event against the Road Warriors. Oh, they're not messing around. Getting straight to that pairing, interesting. In fact, should... in fact, given what you were saying about you know mixing up with some of the younger talent and stuff. We've got um, we've got Flair v Bagwell and uh, Savage v Benoit, so that that there looks like a better. There you go, that looks like a better mix. On on paper alone, next week's card sounds a little more like the majority of the 1995 episodes that held our intrigue for the for the whole hour. You know, yeah. we know we know which guys are the top draws, we know which guys are the stars, but they they presented them in a way that was just a a little bit different, a little bit changing it up every week. Where last few weeks we've been we've really been hitting the wall with the same combinations, the same guys. You know, remember that right at the at the very heart of those early nitros, you'd have the 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 usual suspects at the top, but there was a lot of Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit and JL and you know Harlem yeah. Heat and it, it, I know they've only got an hour to work with at this juncture, but they were mixing and matching it enough and keeping you abreast with the storylines regardless. But it's been getting a bit Hogan and frenzy lately, and fingers crossed next week is a lot more kin because I think we've just had our fourth episode. Yeah, definitely. Right. Well, on that damning verdict, we will uh, we'll wrap things up. We sh- we'll be back very shortly. Um, all going well. We'll be back next week with another pay-per-view review and another guest. Um, more to be revealed very shortly on that one. But in the meantime, thank you for downloading us from wherever you get your podcasts from. Do follow us on Twitter at BecauseWCW, on Facebook.com forward slash BecauseWCW. Um, and if you are uh, locked down, um, well, most of the world is at the moment, then we have got an entire back catalogue you can find on becausewcw.podbean.com. First six episodes, we sound like we're locked in the toilet, and after that, it's a bit better. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back very shortly. Um, so thank you for listening, and stay safe, stay indoors, and look after yourself. So on behalf of Liam Happ, this is me, the Twisted Genius, saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you ringside.